Hello and welcome to A Voice of Hope with Troy Peverall. This show is designed to offer hope for you and your family as you navigate through the struggles of life. We believe that this hope that comes from Jesus can lead you to live a life of victory in Him. I'm Chris Sasser, and today I get to lead us through a conversation about hope. We are glad you're here. Well, hello and Merry Christmas. Welcome to A Voice of Hope with Troy Peverell. I'm Chris Sasser, and you may be listening to this on Christmas morning on the radio. You also may be in and around the Christmas season and listen to us on the Voice of Hope podcast. If you didn't know, you can always go back and listen to other episodes. You can find um, the Voice of Hope podcast uh, where we would love to kind of have you uh, make sure that you're catching up on anything you may have missed if you're listening on the radio. But Troy, Merry Christmas Merry to Christmas you. Merry Christmas to you, Chris. Yeah. Yes. Christmas is everyone a, who's listening. Yeah, it's a, such a great time of year, isn't it? It is. It's a good season of giving. Uh, just always reminded that Jesus is the reason, as we uh, heard growing up. Um, but then you think about what is it? It's, it is a season of giving, both in the sense how we celebrate Christmas here in America, but it's also a season of giving just in that Jesus is our gift to us and uh, to reflect about how we give away what he's given to us. So Troy, what is it that you like about Christmas? Everything. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah, I do. There's I, there's a, a few things that I was thinking about liking about Christmas. Um, just the environment that my wife creates uh, for our family. Um, she's known to be an atmosphere changer. Uh, she can light up a room in the sense literally at Christmas time or just with who she is um, and how she uh, hosts people. She's truly... Uh, she would say a Martha sometimes, <laughs> and the Lord often reminds her to be a Mary. <laughs> but she's definitely someone uh, that creates such a good environment. I also like the the music and the songs uh, of that we listen to. We just heard one recently. It's probably very old. I don't know, but uh, Carrie Underwood's and John Legend's uh, Hallelujah. Uh, have you heard it before? I don't know that I have. Oh my! It's you got to go listen to. I it. will find it. <laughs> um, so the music is, but also like just the, the, a time of peace and gratitude. It seems to be that I really begin reflecting more heavily in December and into January uh, than I do, you know, through the rest of the year. And um, I like that. It's also a time of celebration. Our uh, anniversary is on the 20th of December. So uh, Christmas time offers a time also where we get to to focus on each other as a married couple. Um, and again, going back to just um, what I'm grateful for and beginning to think through December, the things that have really mattered this past year and beginning to go into a new year. Uh, it's just a time of celebration. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How about you? So I think of a bunch of things I love about Christmas and some things that are very similar to what you said. I mean, I love time with family um, and that's both kind of, uh, my family with my wife and our two kids, as well as uh, we do get to see extended family uh, in different ways every Christmas. I love the traditions. There are some things that we have, uh, again, with just the four of us. There are some things that our extended family has that are just great traditions that, that our kids are teenagers and they still really look forward to yeah. some of these traditions. And so that's super fun. Um, I love to travel at Christmas. I mean, we, we get to go and see family. And for me, I don't mind getting in the car and kind of getting out of sort of the, the normal yeah, um, so cool. environment and going somewhere else to be able to, to sort of see people. I do love kind of in and around both, you know, Christmas week and the week of New Year's, just getting to rest 
a little bit, not kind of being in the normal sort of rat race of, of work and life. Yeah. Um, and then, then the last thing that I'll say is I just really enjoy, you know, I, I work at a church as a sure. family ministry pastor, uh-huh. and I think our church just does a great job with the Christmas season. And so I, I enjoy things that kind of go on and the, the atmosphere and environment that I feel at church Yeah. with coworkers, with, you know, people who are um, just a part of our church. I just really kind of enjoy all of that. That's so good. Yeah. It's like a purposeful time that I think most people really just slow down and yes. enjoy, Yeah. you know, and yet at the same time, I know there's a lot of hurt and pain at, during this time as well. Yeah. And, and there's also, even though it is, I think this dichotomy, even though we sort of slow down and enjoy there are times where we have to speed up and get things done yeah and so it's like <laughs> right. did we get all the shopping done did we have all the food yep. i mean we're all, yeah we're on a timeline exactly yeah uh, if you don't get it done i guess something bad happens i don't know trying to be intentional yes in the middle of christmas is so important to experience yeah. christmas yeah that's true you know? well on that note it, it kind of can sometimes feel like troy there's there's two different sort of christmases right uh instead of sort of just one and the two of those they can be distinct and different. They can also blend yeah. quite a bit. So yep. talk to us a little bit about, you know, the two Christmases that we tend to experience. You know, one of the things that come to my mind when it comes to just uh, the two kinds of Christmases, the first one just being what I would say like is a secular Christmas. Um, there, sometimes when we're buying gifts, and I, I think a lot of people might feel this, it's like as I get older, I don't really need anything. I've got everything that I really need and once in a while i'll come across something that i want but the things that i want they're just too expensive yeah right <laughs> so nobody's gonna then, buy you I know, that it's like new car you know, what do you new... want for christmas dad well you know i want a wood splitter and they're a thousand dollars moving <laughs> you know? on that's right right so i think though on the on the other side of just also you know and buying for people and giving gifts uh there's just this thought of like this can be stressful yeah, you know, and 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 that's not what it should be. Well, and it's so funny on on, on both sides of that, you know, because I had a conversation with my mom literally earlier today, mm-hmm. and she wants to know what our kids want for Christmas, yeah. and we ask our kids what they want for Christmas, and they don't know, and they're teenagers, which you know I guess is a little unusual, but they just don't have this this long list, and so now there's pressure on them as teenagers to figure out what they want. There's pressure on my mom to get the exact right gift. And we're all like, what are we doing? I know. <laughs> what are we doing? It could be chaos. And that's, <laughs> it's just one of those things that can take Christmas uh, enjoyment away. You yeah. Know? yeah. And it's a challenge for sure. Yeah, for sure. I remember a couple of years ago, um, it was a bunch of years ago at this point when I was a young youth pastor and we were mm-hmm. having a series in our youth group about, you know, kind of Christmas. And I remember taking, um, kind of the one of the the instrumental Christmas kind of fast paced mm-hmm. uh, songs and uh, putting you know pictures of cars going into the parking lot at the mall and people kind of fighting for parking spaces and people kind of buying all kinds of different stuff and kind of just this lights everywhere. It's just this chaos of this is what we've made Christmas into. Right. Kind of from a secular from a standpoint. secular standpoint. And yeah. and what are we doing? I know. <laughs> right. I remember doing? when we were our kids were really young. We had a a friend at the church that I actually was a youth pastor at up in uh, Cleveland, Ohio. And uh, he came and we did not know, but he dressed as Santa and he knocks on the door and um, he went to our church and he came in and he began to intertwine the true figure of Santa Claus, St. Nicholas with the gospel. And I had never, that was the most creative uh, thing that I had ever seen. And I was so glad that our kids got to, kind of see that okay 
you know, at that time they believed in Santa. Um, but at some point they also began to see that there's another thing to Christmas. That's the real story. Um, but just the man, St. Nicholas, um, in that he was a real character. He was a, uh, um, a bishop that was from the area where Turkey is. And his parents were very wealthy. Um, and he inherited this from what, from, from what I've read. And he would just give to the poor and to children um, and eventually was uh, sent to prison um, and was known inside the prison for continuing to be someone who was very giving. Um, and yet I do look and I go, well, that's a good and true story. Uh, showing that, you know, are we more about the season of giving uh, than taking? Um, but you don't you don't want to give to where you're not a cheerful giver. Yeah. You know, and so money has to do with a little bit about what can you give and what other things can you give that's not going to, you know, make you feel so tied up with your money. Yeah. Um, just recently, my wife asked me to make a... Uh, a mantle box. And I am not somebody that makes things with wood. I sit for a living, (laughs) you know, (laughs) and I I talk with people. So I'm just not real crafty with my hands. And so from Hurricane Florence, uh, three years ago, I believe it was, uh, we kept the wood fence post and the fencing that came down through a few trees. And so I, I put together a box and made it for the mantle and she's loved it. And so She's like, go out to the woods, get magnolia leaves, get the hollyberry leaves. And so she's got all these things around our yard and she's talking to our daughter about doing the same thing. And I'm like, you know, Christmas doesn't have to be just about what you can buy or, or get th- through money. You can also be creative as the creator is and make Christmas really special. Yeah. And, and I think so often, you know, we, we, we do get drawn into what am I going to buy yeah. and how can I make it nicer and nicer and nicer instead of, yeah. you know, just sort of settling on the things that are kind of, um, simple. Yeah. Simple. Right? That's right. Simple. simple. Yeah. Should yeah. be simple. Yeah. yeah. Okay. We're going to take a quick break and when we come back, we're going to kind of transition from talking about, you know, this, this secular Christmas world that we live in to what can we do just as individuals and maybe even as a family to really kind of live into what, what we would call, a holy Christmas. And so we'll be back in just a minute. You are listening to A Voice of Hope. Don't you just love the word renew? It offers a chance to take a look back while holding new possibilities in hand. It's a word that offers healing, but without the bonds of despair, and it seems to point us in a new direction while giving promise to move forward. This is Kim Peverall with A Voice of Hope. This ministry has been created to bring encouragement in a relevant, easy conversation. Through insights offered from Troy, Chris, and their guest, it's our desire that you'll become a voice of hope in your walks through life and into your community. Let's change the narrative of the last year and make a plan to choose positive perspective and embrace hope. Practice peace and fight your tendency to become anxious. Instead, pray. Pay attention to new ways to encourage others. Simple steps like these will affect change in your own life and spill over into your community. We invite you to find more resources for hopeful living at agape-counseling.org and equipandencourage.com. Hey, thanks for listening. We are honored to share this journey together. 
Welcome back to Voice of Hope with Troy Peverall. We're talking about Christmas kind of being a season of giving. And Troy, we've talked just a little bit about the pressure in and around, you know, having to buy gifts for people. But how is it that we can sort of maybe transition in our mind kind of from from just sort of a season of, of practical, tangible gifts to really understanding the real gift of Jesus at Christmas? That's good. Uh, to really step away and know that you know, as much as here in America and in other places in the world, we celebrate Christmas from a secular standpoint, obviously to know that for the believer, the time of Christmas is a celebration of Jesus and who he is. And when you look at, you know, some of the scriptures, you'll see that there's a need here. Something needs to happen. A gift needs to be given to man. Um, for unto you this day is born in the city of Bethlehem a what? A Savior. So it really, it asks this question, you know, Savior, what do we need saved from? And so there's this real obvious, you know, uh, thing the Lord has given us to say that my very reason for coming to earth is that you need saved. There's something that humanity needs uh, it needs this gift in who Jesus is. And so Christmas really is about the purpose of who Jesus is. Um, and I, I, I love the fact that he came to us, uh, you know, as a child, we, we see in Isaiah, for to us a child is born. You know, was, to me, I was like, why did he come as a child? You know, why didn't he just kind of show up as a man? You know, and the humanity of who Jesus is was so, so, so important also to the deity of who he is. Yeah, and I love kind of you know, the fact that we know that part of what Scripture says too is is he came to seek and save the lost. I mean, kind of going to what you're saying, like we, we were lost um, and, and, and wayward from God. Yeah. And so we needed to be saved and we needed to sort of be brought back to him. Yeah, and just in him being a child, uh, is so interesting because, you know, you think about God the Father, uh, Jesus his Son, and he puts him here as as a child, you know, God's precious gift to mankind. And Jesus grows up. He's a child. He, he goes through the things that we go through as children. Uh, he goes through the things that we do as an adult of his 33 years and obviously many, many more at the end of his ministry of incredible pain that we deserved. He took it upon himself um, for that salvation piece. Um, and he's also, I mean, he's a son. And so just the idea of, you know, this is the meaning behind Jesus uh, being a child is there, uh, but also recognition that a son, you know, will be given to us, you know, God's son. And where did he come from? I think this is just saying real clearly to us that God gave up a lot here. You know, Jesus gave up a lot, a lot in that he left his father in heaven to be here. So that's, that's, that's really interesting. Another one in this verse is that the government will be on his shoulders. Uh, and I think this, this is for the world to just say, Hey, the government and all of the, the craziness of our times uh, around the world, you know, there are a lot of times hope seems to be taken away. And yet the government will never go away. 
to being on his shoulders. It's to the very end that the scriptures teach. That, that feels like something that we really need to take to heart nowadays, right? <laughs> yes, I know. Because so a lot sure. of people want to put the government on their shoulders yeah. or kick it off somebody else's shoulders or whatever. But just yeah. a, a recognition that Jesus is in control. That's right. He governs it Governs it all. Yeah. Uh, he's not causing all. Right. Uh, but he's allowing all, obviously. And many things he does cause. Uh, but God is not afraid. You know, and as children of, of the Lord, we can look with our eyes, um, but if we're not really careful, we'll see that God has not given us a vision too far ahead. And if he ever chooses for us to have that vision, it's with purpose, mm-hmm. but it's not to make us afraid. Um, and you can also look at this verse and see that part of the governing here is personal. Uh, the government that he's talking about is described in the character of who Jesus is, in verse seven, um, talks about what him being a wonderful counselor, you know. So God is not only governing this world; God is wanting to govern uh, His children, those that He wants to save. Um, and He shows up again, being a wonderful counselor, uh, being a mighty God, being an everlasting Father, and being a Prince of Peace. And this is personal. This is just isn't about what's happening in the world, but it's really a bigger question of what's happening with me. Yeah. And if you don't mind me asking, and, and you can kind of answer this question from either kind of yourself personally, or maybe even others in your family or just people that you're, mm-hmm. you're around, but, but how is it that, that you feel and experience, and we'll go through all four of these. Yeah. How is it that you feel and experience Jesus being a wonderful counselor? To hear his voice. I mean, so much of the time, you know, a counselor is somebody that people might see, you know, you, you're at a place where you feel stuck, you're, you're needing to talk with someone, you need advice, you need uh, some kind of guidance, and you're very aware that you don't have it. it it's outside of you and who yeah. you are. And to be able to, to, to know that, you know, while there, is, there are people in, in our lives that can be the voice of God, you know, um, and certainly God wants us to reach out to people like that, um, it's ultimately this place where, you know, we talked about the last time where there's a space in life where we can, we can be in the center of, of God's will and be in his presence and hear and experience him in this way. Um, and it's through that where, you know, my willingness to ask questions, my willingness to, to go towards the Lord and, and ask him for something that I might need. Um, for guidance, mm-hmm. uh, where where to go, what to do, how to do. I need his counsel. And so to have that as a real place in my life with, with my walk with God is, you can't replace it. Yeah, and, and I think, too, that it takes, and I've never sort of um, made this connection, but sitting across from you, who, you know, you're a professional counselor, right. makes me do this. But but in some ways, my, my guess is in the counseling room, people have to let go of their pride in order to allow the counselor to be able to speak into their life. And, and, and I've just never made that connection with this particular name of Jesus, of him being the wonderful counselor, because it's the, the same is true. I have to be able to, to sort of right. let, let down my pride and allow Jesus to counsel me. That's right. Instead of just think I need to figure it out myself. Absolutely. And right? just, to, just to tag on to that, to whomever's listening, um, you know, I've had people ask me, well, have you ever been to counseling? And back when I was in, uh, tell a short story here, back when I was in college, I had to uh, 
uh, had an assignment that I missed and I did not follow up with the professor. And I go to class after missing class and he asked the class, okay, are you ready? And I was listening to what everyone was answering with. And I was like, obviously not ready. Question was when you, from the last class that I missed, go home, find somebody that you can counsel when you come back, tell us who it is. So I, I was at that second class and I'm supposed to tell him who I'm counseling uh, or going to try to counsel. And I didn't have anyone. And he looked at him. He said, fine, you get me. So here's the professor and I'm having to counsel him. But that was so, I was scared to death, didn't know what was going to happen. He actually started crying in the session. Wow. I didn't know what I was doing. And so <laughs> you obviously did. I know, but I didn't. I was so nervous, but I think he might've been crying for me. <laughs> but anyway, so I, I took with me like, wow. So he's willing to mm. humble himself and ask this. So the answer to the question, have I ever been to counseling? And the answer to that is yes, which I bring up to another factor in this way is that when I actually went to counseling years ago, um, the counselor was not just giving me counsel or advice. He was listening. He was sitting. It was his presence. It was the place in which I could, I could talk, I could display, I could do something Mm -hmm. and feel when I walked away from there, that this, this time had its purpose. So this is not to advocate professional counseling. This is to say, Hey, we have a savior. Yeah. That we have wants, a wonderful counselor. Yeah. He's really good that, at right. it. Right. He's perfect. Yeah. Right. So you're not going to find that in any yeah. human counselor. Yeah. That's and right. we get that. Yeah. Okay. How about mighty God? Like how have you experienced Jesus being a mighty God? I think it's a great question. <laughs> so when you, when I look back and go, what's mighty about God so much, but personally in that I'm even here and seeing and knowing my life from so long, you know, from childhood, and to, to be able to see that God had a purpose, that's not Troy's mightiness. That's God's mightiness, mm-hmm. that I have a place in life that matters to, to people, to my children, to my wife, to whatever it is that I'm here for for this short period of eternity. You know, God is mighty. God does mighty things in people's lives. There are things in my life that don't exist anymore that should never have existed. God took those things away. Mm. I prayed about them. I tried my best. I read books. And and when you ask me, do you have some of those problems anymore? And the answer to some of those are no. Why? God took them. Because you have a mighty God. God took them. God is mighty. Yeah. Okay. Two more. How about everlasting father? Uh, Just the, the father, you know, just... We're talking about having the negative voices in our heads sometimes. Um, and God's, God's, even God's corrective voice is probably one of the sweetest things that I've ever heard. I remember one time, uh, but many times, but one time I remember real clearly that, that God spoke in such a way to tell me that I was wrong in a matter. But the way in which it happened, I felt so loved and so so his presence was so real. I was sitting there going, God, correct me again. Mm. Tell me again, tell me something else because there was such a fatherly love. And we see in scriptures that, you know, a good father disciplines his children. So don't look at all pain and think only that God is punishing you. A lot of times what God might be allowing or might be doing is he's correcting you because he, if he didn't, he would be basically sending the message to you. He doesn't care for you. Mm. But because he cares, his loving discipline is there. And so I look at a father, he's more than just a discipliner, 
but he's a protector. He's a provider. He's powerful. He's all that and more because he's not of this earth. Mm, that's really good. Okay, we've got just a couple minutes left. Prince of Peace, how have you experienced Jesus being a Prince of Peace? Notice that quietness. That's it. It's that pause, that place where there's nothing, but a place where I can feel God's presence. And to find that place, it, you know, we are only a moment away. The Lord is near. We're just so close, closer than we think. But but I think we we have to step away. If if the scriptures are true, God can speak loudly, but if he, if His voice has to actually raise for him to get my attention or something crazy must happen for him to get my attention, then what have I possibly missed? I've probably missed that, that voice of, of quietness where peace is found. And that's why I believe posturing ourselves for those places, that space that you talked about, that environment to hear God's voice, I think we'll hear the Prince of peace and he settles a battle mm. talked about a battle and peace. They, they, they got to go together. The battle that we are in day in and day out of life and living, the Lord wants to be a part of that as a peaceful presence in our life. Yeah, that's great. So hopefully um, you have been able to embrace some of what we've been talking about here at Christmas. Again, if it's Christmas uh, Day for you. Merry, Merry Christmas to you. If you've listened to this a little bit after, you, you still can obviously apply a lot of these things. If you want kind of more information about the ministry of Voice of Hope, or if you want to support the ministry, uh, there's lots of great things that the ministry is uh, doing and going to be doing in the future. You can go to ami1.net, and we are excited about stepping into 2022, and really not just for you know Troy and I, but for a lot of different people to, to be a voice of hope. We've got some upcoming episodes where you're going to hear from some others who are voices of hope in the community. So uh, Merry Christmas to everyone, uh, and we are excited to, to be on this journey with you. And don't forget, you are listening to A Voice of Hope.